Thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm Katie Chesney, and you're listening to I Want to Be A, which is a show where we walk our starry-eyed job seekers through the reality of how to fulfill their life's goal of becoming exactly what they want to do. We'll cover the gamut, beginning with education, discussing compensation, time committed, all the way to the day in the life of their dream job. Now, college professors are highly accomplished in their fields of study, and they are responsible for passing on their knowledge and wisdom to impressionable young college students. We're with Mimi Charnik, a professor of English at Alverno College. Mimi, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself today? Okay, thanks, Katie. Um, yes, I'm Mimi Charnik. I'm a professor of English at Alverno College, which is a small women's college on the south side of Milwaukee. I'm originally from Detroit, and I got my Ph.D. from Indiana University about 20 years ago. Okay, so what attracted you to English? Because I know that you are an English professor. Yes, um, I've always liked to read, and I've liked to talk about books. I didn't start as an English major, interestingly. I was a music major um, and then an education major, but by the time I needed to graduate, I realized I had enough credits to graduate with an English major, and at that point, I had admired my professors, envied their lifestyle and their job. So I just kept going on until I became a professor. Mm -hmm. So that was in college. That's when you kind of realized that you wanted to become a college professor. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had some good role models. Well, that's awesome. So I know you said you had some good role models and part of this decision for you was during college. So what kind of educational background did you need to have to make that dream come true for yourself? A lot. Um, And I was the first person in my family to go to college, so my family was a little mystified, but I kept going. Um, After I graduated with my bachelor's, I got a master's in English um, at a small liberal arts college um, outside of Detroit. Mm -hmm. And then that took a couple years. And then I moved to Bloomington, Indiana to get a PhD in Victorian studies and literary theory. And that, Mm -hmm. that took a little while. Now, is that the standard of education required for becoming a professor to have your master's and your PhD? Or is there any kind of, like, can you have your master's and be getting your PhD and still be a professor? These are really good questions. You need to be a professor is called the terminal degree. So it's the highest degree in your field. Mm -hmm. So in English, it's a PhD. But in other areas, it's different. For instance, um, an MFA would be considered a creative writing terminal degree, okay. and an MBA would be business. Um, so, um, But it's standard in order to be a full-time tenure-track professor, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit, you need the PhD. We have at my school and others hired people who the end was in sight. So mm-hmm. it, they, it was clear that they would have the PhD in hand within a year or so. Um, People with master's can teach at the college level, but they would be adjuncts and not professors. Okay. And as part of your master's and PhD, were you required to write a dissertation or a thesis or both? And what kind of things did you do to prepare for writing those? Yes, both. Um, So at the master's level, I wrote a thesis, which is really just a really long paper. So it's um, an in-depth study of a single work of literature. I was Mm -hmm. looking at the work of Robert Browning. Um, A dissertation is a book-length work, and it requires a lot of research and a lot of writing, and you get better and better at it. Um, When I look back, I think it took me about a year to write my first chapter. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) But then each chapter was better and better and quicker and quicker because I became a better writer and I became more focused. 
actually writing a dissertation was the hardest thing I've ever done, but one of the best things I've ever done. I think mm-hmm. it made me a good writer. And there's a really strong sense of, sense of accomplishment when you finish that dissertation. Okay. And now how long did it take you to complete your PhD and like what part of the um, dissertation was a portion of that? I took, this is going to sound long. Some people are much quicker. Um, I took 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I had about four years of coursework. Okay. And then um, we have something called qualifying exams, which is a major exam that covers your whole area of study. So for me, that was British literature, pretty much all of British literature. And um, it's an all-day exam, the written portion, and then there's a half day where you defend it. So preparing for those exams and taking them took me about a year. Okay. Um, And then I probably spent about four years on the dissertation. I don't know if that adds up to 10. And at that point, I had a child and a husband, so I slow and I was teaching full time, so I slowed down a little bit. But mm-hmm. it's yeah, so it was about ten years from beginning to end. So when you're when you were working on your dissertation that four years, when you said you were teaching, now is that something that most people do as a norm? Like they take like they're still working when they get their PhD. It's not something that they dedicate like a hundred percent of their time to. Absolutely. And it's actually a really good thing. So if a student or a listener of yours was going on to a graduate program, it's really good to apply for, they're called teaching assistants or associate um, instructors. Mm -hmm. And it's a way to finance your graduate school so you can get out without loans or little loans. But it's also a really good way to get experience. Mm -hmm. So almost all graduate students in English will be teaching while they're studying and writing. Okay. And you had mentioned tenure status. And now what exactly is that and how do you get it? So the tenure track is a trial period for both the professor and the college or university. Mm -hmm. So when you're hired as a full-time professor, it's kind of on probation. Okay. And if it's at if you're at a, a big research institution, they're expecting you to be writing and publishing books. If you're at a teaching college where I'm at, they're expecting you to be a good teacher or become a good teacher. And sometime in the fifth or sixth year, a committee is convened that looks at your work and looks at your portfolio and looks at your evaluations from students and evaluations from other faculty and decides if they're going to keep you. Mm-hmm. And at that point, if it's not a good fit, they'll just say bye. Um, <laughs> thanks. But, yeah, thanks. Um, good luck. Um, but if it is a good fit, then they will hire you what's known as a um, permanent basis. It's a tenured pr- position. And tenured is, tenure is great. It gives the faculty member job security. Mm-hmm. So if people don't like what I'm teaching or something I say in a meeting, that doesn't matter. I have security. And it also gives me academic freedom mm-hmm. to um, have opinions about literature and the world and to express those opinions. So it's it's a great aspect of being a professor because job security is not something that's really widespread these days. Right. So it's it's an area where we still have that. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Now, you'd also mentioned adjunct professors, and that's something that uh, you could do at the master's level or maybe like the PhD level when you're, the end is in sight. So mm-hmm. what exactly is an adjunct professor and is it possible to be one of those and then become a full-time, full-blown professor? Yes. It's not the usual track. So where I got my PhD, mm-hmm. once I was done um, with my, I had used up all my fellowships and teaching assistants, I was an adjunct professor there. 
an adjunct professor teaches courses. Um, she has the status of a professor, so she te can teach a lot of different courses, but there's no tenure track, so it's okay. not permanent. And there's usually um, not benefits. So that's not true everywhere. Some places offer adjuncts like health insurance and mm -hmm. other benefits. There have been adjuncts who then, when a tenure track position opens up, applies for it and gets it. Mm -hmm. And if she has a terminal degree, that's great because the college will know her and know her work. So, so that's definitely um, one route to being a professor. Okay. Now, I know from being a college student myself, college professors don't always just go to class, teach, and then grade papers. There's some extracurricular things that go on during the job. Now, are, do you participate in any of those? And is there like a norm for what a college professor would need to do to be involved on campus? At a small place like Alverno and other small teaching colleges, faculty are expected to work with students outside the class, so we can't just like teach and go home mm -hmm. or teach and write and go home. Um, so many of us, we all advise students. That's really important. So helping students register and do travel abroad and think about jobs. We also, many of us advise student groups okay. like um, literary magazines, the newspaper, so many groups on campus. Um, I do a an event twice a year called the Feminist Roundtable Discussion mm -hmm. in the residence halls with a couple other professors where we get together with students in the evening and talk about issues related to women in the workplace and women in education. I like to get to events like sporting events, baseball games, just because the students like to see that. So, so mm -hmm. we do try to be involved in campus life convocation, which is next week attending things like that. Okay. So as someone who's on the track to becoming a college professor, how do you prepare for those kinds of things like advising students for jobs and studying abroad and things like that? Because that could be very intimidating to someone. So how can you like, what can you do to prepare for that? That's a great question. And when I started here, I was new and fairly young. And I think I did a good job teaching and mm -hmm. being a good colleague. But being a good advisor takes a little bit of time because you have to learn the college's curriculum and their systems and you have to get kind of um, courageous mm -hmm. okay like I can break the rules and help students get through this more smoothly in terms of preparing before you get a job I really think it's great to try on different parts of the professor lifestyle so a lot of people when they graduate with a PhD they've been teaching but that's it so it's really great if people can take on some tutoring jobs, working with students whose English is a second language, mm -hmm. um, working with student groups. Um, when I was getting my PhD, I taught courses in the local factory and hospital. So I got to work with non-traditional students and working students. So it's, it's great to come with um, a portfolio that shows that you didn't just teach freshman comp, but you really kind of explored the range of teaching that was available to you and took advantage of it. Now, we've talked a lot about the job and, well, like how to get to the job, like through college and everything. So the next stop would be applying and interviewing. So what kind of things do job seekers need to know during like the applying and interviewing stages? I think it's really important to put together a portfolio. Mm -hmm. And not all job applications will require a portfolio, but it, again, it can show a depth and range of your experience. So 
I put together a portfolio that included my dissertation topic and recommendations from my dissertation committee, but I also invited faculty members that I liked and knew to, to observe me teaching and to write me letters. I put together a small portfolio that included lesson plans and syllabi and testimonials from students that really liked me teaching awards mm-hmm. so that it's just not a slim resume, but it's kind of a, you know, don't want to go overboard and send people a hundred pages, but a packet right. showing that I have a, a expertise, you mentioned knowledge and wisdom. I have knowledge and wisdom in Victorian studies, but I'm also really interested in all aspects of teaching and the academy. Um, my undergraduate, I was a music minor mm-hmm. um, and that actually caught the eye of some of my potential employers that, oh, you know, she's she knows a lot about literature, but she knows a lot about music, too. And a, a small institution, that can be really helpful, mm-hmm. you know, integrating music into a literature classroom, for instance, okay. or movies. So what about the job interviews? You go, you apply, and you, come, you go to the job interview. Would you take your portfolio with you? And then how would you present it in the interview? Uh, first, most places, especially if they're doing a national search, mm-hmm. will do a phone interview. Okay. So they'd screen and just see if, like, are you articulate? Do you know your area of expertise? Have you had a teaching experience? Um, and then they'll bring you on campus. And it's usually a one full day or even two full days of interviews. Mm-hmm. And, yes, bringing a portfolio is good. And I tell students who are going on the job, but don't, like, hand over this giant binder have something slim like here's an example of a lesson plan that I taught and here's some student work that resulted from it and here's some feedback I gave so something really small that you can just walk people through in an interview Mm -hmm. I interviewed with the entire English department um, in a room and then I interviewed with people faculty from all over the college Um, I had lunch with students Um, I had to give feedback on a stack of papers that somebody (laughs) handed me (laughs) I think it was somebody's actual stack of papers I gave feedback on <laughs> and uh, met with Dean. So it's it's a full day of being charming and on and energetic. Mm-hmm. To me, that sounds like a very nerve-wracking experience. So what what are some things that you can do to prepare for those that maybe that day or that two days of, you know, really putting your best foot forward and always having a smile on your face? What What can you do to like prep for that? Great, great question. Really be overprepared. So one thing that your listeners should think about is researching the specific school. Mm-hmm. So when I came to Alverno, this was my top choice where to um, get a job. I knew that it was a women's college. I knew that they didn't give traditional grades. I knew that they were from the tradition of the School Sisters of St. Francis. Mm-hmm. I knew that they were ability-based. So I was able to develop questions and, and interesting things that I wanted people to tell me about related to, they weren't generic. They were really related to this school. Mm-hmm. So really all these resources are online, really research the institution and then bring questions. Okay. One question will always be, and what questions do you have for us? Yes. Um, and it should be something intriguing, not how much am I going to get paid? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and also like rehearse with anecdotes. So, It really goes over well in an interview if somebody says, tell us about a time where you really engaged students from different backgrounds, or tell us about a time where you taught something that didn't work and what did you learn from it. And if you have real life, real um, authentic 
funny, interesting stories, that goes over really well because it tells people that you enjoy teaching and that you've reflected on your teaching as well. Mm-hmm. So lots of examples. Well, I feel like if I was going to be a college professor, I'd be a lot more prepared now. <laughs> so now what if you you take a little bit of a different path? Like say, um, you know, I worked in the industry for 20 years and I'm like, okay, I want to become a college professor. Now, would I still have to then go ahead and get that master's and that PhD, even though I had 20 years of relevant industry experience? That really varies from the discipline. Mm-hmm. So in a humanities discipline, most people come from graduate school or very occasionally somebody who had been a high school teacher and then got her master's and decided to go on with for the PhD. Mm-hmm. But there are other areas where what you're describing is really valued. So um, if you're in business and right. you've worked in business, um, if you, I know you're in communication, if you've worked working, designing web pages and working in radio and television, these are things that really make you a believable, authentic teacher in those areas, nursing, if you've been a nurse, if you've been a lead nurse. So the path is a little bit different mm-hmm. for people. A lot of times, if you have that really strong background, then a master's will be enough. Okay. Um, but you do need a master's All right. um, to teach at the college level. So we've, and I know our business division has hired um, a former lawyer and she was a great teacher here and she had her master's. It doesn't necessarily have to be a master's in like business or a master's in nursing. It's just the master's is something that we need for our accreditation. Okay. Um, so we have, um, we have somebody teaching journalism who's a journalist. We have people teaching um uh, media who have worked in radio and television. So that is a really valuable route for somebody who says, okay, I've done this. I'm good at it. I know a lot about it. And now I want to give back. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll take a pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but it can be, it can be great. Mm-hmm. And like I said, in business, nursing, communications, even education, a lot of the professors have been not only seasoned teachers, but principals and administrators. So can you walk us through what a typical day or maybe a typical week looks like for a college professor? Because, you know, obviously all your classes aren't Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So how does how does it work? Well, that's one of the great things about the job is that there isn't really a typical day. Um, and I can really shape what a day is like. And we have a lot of control over our schedules and then just how we do our work. Mm-hmm. So I would teach my classes, as you said, 12 hours a week, 15 hours a week of being in the classroom. And then the rest of my time is preparing for classes, um, reading student work, um, giving feedback on student work. That's a large amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then reading, just keeping abreast in my field, um, doing research. And uh, we do have committees and work we do together. So the English department will meet once a month and other committees will meet to do work but I, it's great to have control. So I can take a day where for eight hours today, I'm just going to look at student papers. Mm-hmm. And the next day, I'm going to spend this day researching a paper I'm writing. So it's it's nice work, right. to use the cliche. And there is a lot of variety. And I can decide, I really don't feel like reading student papers today. I'm going to read um, an academic book. Mm-hmm. So on average, do you spend like, 
because for me, I'm in the studio, you know, like eight hours a day. Now, are you required to work that full eight-hour workday or is it just kind of like, hmm, not feeling it today? <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of flexibility over our schedule as well. So people who teach weekend college mm-hmm. will take another day off since they've given up their Saturday or Sunday, usually not come in on Monday. A lot of people like to work at home or in coffee shops, mm-hmm. and that's great as long as you, you're looking at your email. Um, I'm just, I'm a morning person, so I come in at seven in the morning and usually leave at four or five. Um, and I don't like to do work in the evening, but some people work, like to work really, really late. Mm-hmm. So nobody is looking over our shoulder and saying you weren't in. Uh, we do have office hours. But it's it's extremely flexible. It's a great job for people who have families. Mm-hmm. So when I had little kids, I could arrange my schedule to get them to daycare and when, then when they were at school, to meet them after school. When I was doing the scheduling as associate dean, I was really attentive to people who had little kids. Like, let's not give them 8 o'clock classes unless they want it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a job that you can really fit into a family structure, which is great. Okay. And do you think that's typical um, across all the departments in a college? I do. Mm-hmm. I really do. I know the nurses have to do a lot of clinicals and keeping current in their field. So they're off campus a couple of days in the, in the hospitals and clinics. Um, I think I can't think of a single division or department here where people are expected just to be sitting in their office. I happen to sit in my office all day because I like my office. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Now, what skills are essential to have a successful career as a college professor? Now, do you need a certain personality or work ethic? Because it sounds a lot like it's up to you. And if you're not really independently motivated, it kind of sounds like you might, might not be as successful. That's exactly right. It's it's a very you have to be independently motivated. Um, this job requires a large, a good work ethic. Mm-hmm. So none of us works forty hours a week. We all work above and beyond that. You have to work as long as it takes to get the job done. So to be super prepared for classes, to give feedback quickly as you can, to be available to my colleagues if they need something or want to collaborate on something to be available to people in the city. I work with high schools. So it's really not a job where you can just say, I'm, you can't be lazy. You know, right. I just don't feel like working. Um, but it, there is a lot of self-motivation, especially in terms of keeping current and doing research, that that's something I have to say, okay, I need to make time to do that as well. A lot of patience, patience with students, patience with other colleagues. I think a really important aspect of being a professor is the eagerness to keep learning, mm-hmm. not just about English, but about teaching. So if I'm the same teacher I was five years ago, I'm not doing a good job. Right. I really, really need to um, just keep experimenting and reading and researching um, in the classroom. And that's true for technology, too. I think a professor these days, you know, back in the old day, you could be a curmudgeon who just sat in your office. But nowadays, we're expected to be available to students um, in online environments as well as in person. Mm-hmm. So growing, keep growing. That growth is definitely important. Now, you're obviously very passionate about being a college professor. So what about being a professor do you absolutely love? I absolutely love the fact, well, I'll just tell a quick anecdote or a sentence. My father 
claims that I became a professor because I never wanted to graduate from college. <laughs> and <laughs> so you're absolutely correct. I loved college. I loved the exchange of ideas, excitement over ideas, books, and working with students is what I love best. That every year I get a fresh, I have a class tomorrow morning at eight o'clock, brand new freshman. I get a fresh um, start with students who are excited and don't know anything about Plato or literature and or humanities, and I get to expose them to it and get them excited about it. So that's that's what I absolutely love. I just love working with students and that it's new every year. Um, I also love the flexibility of my job. I like um, a surprising part of my job that I never would have thought when I was in grad school is I travel quite a bit. Oh, really? Um, yeah, a couple times a year I go to a college. I've been to almost every state in the United States. I go to another college or university to help them design assessments or to think about teaching for outcomes, mm -hmm. uh, critical thinking. And I didn't even fly before I was in grad school. So you know, getting <laughs> on a plane twice a year is pretty cool. Right. Um, and I work with about six local high schools as well. And, and that's exciting because high school teachers are amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's just great to work with them as colleagues as well. So if you had to do it all over again, would you choose the path that you took and why would you choose it? Absolutely. This is, this is a great job. Um, it's a job where I can use my mind and my creativity and my sociability. Um, I would def I can't think of another job that I would enjoy as much as, as being a college professor. I just can't. If I were to talk to my 20-year-old self, I would tell her to be faster. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, you know, quit goofing around playing tennis and cards, you know, just really focus and get done. Um, because the sooner you get done, the more quickly you get into that career. And then there are financial benefits for that as well. Mm -hmm. so, so I would tell me to go through a little more quickly through the PhD process. So if you were in the shoes of a job seeker, what do you wish someone would have told you back then, like what you wish you would have known about now in this industry, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. I think I would have, um, one thing I did write was to teach a lot when mm -hmm. I was working on a PhD and not just kind of the traditional graduate student courses like writing freshman comp. So that was a good thing I did. I wish somebody had told me to start thinking about my dissertation earlier. Mm -hmm. So I did my coursework, and then I did my qualifying exams, and then I started thinking about my dissertation. And I had wiser colleagues or more savvy colleagues who, during their coursework, they were doing research, thinking about a topic, and then when they finished their quals, they hit the ground running. That was really smart. I wish somebody had um, counseled me onto that just to, to just to get more going more quickly. Mm -hmm. That would have been good. Right. So do you have any last pieces of advice you'd want to give to our listeners today? Um, as somebody who's here now and we're hiring, when we hire people, um, keep keep up with technology. Mm -hmm. If it's an even, even playing field with people with the same kind of degree and writing and teaching experience and somebody can do things like wikis and blogs and video, that's just another step up. Um, and I guess my last piece of advice is that it is a long haul. It, it's, it's a long road, but it's, it's worth it. It really is. Thank you, Mimi. We do appreciate your experience and your expert advice. 
And that's it for today on I Want to Be A. And to find more employment-related shows, head over to aljnradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, email me at aljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm Katie Chesney with LGN Radio, and I'll see you next time.